Hey, it's Pastor Nick from Grace River Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you find today's message encouraging and transformative in your life. We'd love for you to join us online each Sunday morning at 10 a.m. by visiting graceriverva.com slash live. Now, enjoy the message. Partying still. All right. Church, it is good to see you. We are in the, uh, well, first of all, I want to welcome back Pastor John. Him and Diane have been gone for a few weeks now. We're just so glad to have them back. We missed you guys. We are in a series called Intersections, and we're just talking about the different times that Jesus intersected in, in the book of John. So today we're going to be in the, in the 11th chapter of the book of John. We're going to be talking about Lazarus. Uh, it's a powerful story. And as I was studying for this story and, and preparing for this message, uh, I realized how perfect this story really is for us in this season. You know, we've really gone through uh, a lot of, of death in our community and our nation and our world with the coronavirus. Um, but what I realized is that death wasn't the final, the death wasn't the period of this story. Really, hope was the period of this story. That's how it ended, was with hope. I don't know about you, but my wife and I, we like to watch um, some TV shows together, like Grey's Anatomy, that's more her show, or This Is Us. We watch them together. It's just kind of one of the things we do. Great shows, sometimes. And if you've watched this past season, really they haven't had to do much of their own writing. Uh, they've just used the story of what's going on in the world around us. It's coronavirus, it's, it's racial tension in our world and, and reckoning. But that's just all they've, they've had to write about. So it's kind of this Truman Show effect of watching our lives play out on TV but we know what's going to happen next because they're like a week behind. You know, they don't know what's going to happen. So they're, so this past week, if you, if you watched, I, I know I'm the only one who did, Amanda and I. But if you watched Grey's Anatomy, uh, they, they came out with the vaccine trials. That, that was kind of what's going on in this last episode. And, of course, they got so excited and there was all this hope because finally they're not going to see people come in with COVID and see so many people die. Uh, but we know how it ends, right? We, we know that Later down the line, the vaccines work, and people take them, and by Memorial Day weekend, we don't have to wear masks anymore, right? So we know how the story ends. And I wonder if we know how the story ends in our own life. Because this is the story about a man and his sisters, and he died. And his sisters, they were just so upset and just terrified. And they were just wondering why Jesus didn't come and save their brother. They knew that he could, but they didn't realize how it was going to end. Because when Jesus gets there, finally... He says it's not going to end the way you think it's going to end. So this morning, there's a message of hope for all of us who have, who have lost someone. You know, if I, could re if I could write the next episode of Grey's Anatomy, I would show people who are still struggling from grieving the loss of a loved one or still struggling to find a job after they've lost a job and income has decreased or still struggling from a divorce or still struggling from families that have just gone through so much struggle because we've all been at home together for, for so long and we're not supposed to be at home together for so long with each other. That's what the next story would be on Grey's Anatomy, I think. But here's how it's going to end, with hope. And that's what the message is about here this morning. So turn with me to John chapter 11. We're going we're gonna to read and then we're going to pray. I'm going to read this whole thing right off the bat. All right, so just get ready to, to follow along with me. John chapter 11, verse 1. says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, 
was the same one who poured perfume on the feet of Jesus and wiped it with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you were going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? In other words, we've got plenty of time. A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by the world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. They were a little slow. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, good old Thomas, he said, the rest of the disciples, let's go with him and let's die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she said. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after that, she had said this. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticing how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. And the Jews, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, come. Or could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. For he has been in there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said these things for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. 
Let's pray, church. Father, we thank you that you always hear our cry. Father, we thank you that you have come into our lives and said, take off the grave clothes and be free. Father, I ask this morning that as we continue to learn from your word, that my words would not be my own, but of you. Father, that you would speak through me this morning, that our hearts would be open to receive what it is you are saying. Father, fill this place and prepare us to hear the truth of your word this morning. In your son's name we pray, amen. You know, like any, any death, it always starts, usually starts with an issue, right? Sickness in most cases. And for Lazarus, he was sick. But they probably didn't know he was sick. His sisters probably didn't know he was sick until he began to show symptoms, right? There's no rapid test in Lazarus' time to tell if you're sick or not. But it wasn't until he showed symptoms, probably, that, that his sisters knew that there was something wrong. The pain of sin, just like the pain and the symptoms of illness, tell us when something is wrong. And we've been in a difficult time in our lives for these past a little over a year. But for many of us, we've had difficult times for years and years ago, and we're still hurting from that. You know, there's an event in our life that has given us anxiety even into adulthood, or there was an event in our life that just kind of changed the tra trajectory of our lives, and we're still grappling with that even today. But there's always that pain that tells us there's a problem. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that, that tells us when we're sinning. When we feel that pain, it's like the pain receptor. Right? The Holy Spirit is our spiritual pain receptor in our body. You know, our pain receptors tell our brain there's something wrong here. But the Holy Spirit tells us, hey, there's something wrong in your spirit. And a lot of times when we're in pain, we just feel like there's, there's really no use for it other than just being in pain. I don't know about you, but whenever I accidentally cut myself when I'm working on something or when I was a kid, I would fall down and skin my knee. I was more upset because it was just annoying that you, know, you had a skin knee or you had a cut that you had to put a Band-Aid on more than I was upset about how it hurt, you know? But it's, it's difficult when we're in pain, but there's a purpose in that pain. We're not in pain just for no reason. The Lord can use that pain for a special purpose. You know, the pain makes the relief of grace that much more powerful. When you've been in pain and you've been in sin and, and finally you receive that grace, it's more powerful because of the pain you've experienced. Just like if you're sick and finally you're better, it's like, man, I... Or I wouldn't wish that on my, my worst enemy, right? That's what we say. Because we re we're relieved now. We feel the relief from that pain. I'm reminded of Romans 5 where it says, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Where there's pain, where there's sin, there's even more grace. And then a little bit later in chapter 6 of Romans, it says, when you surrender yourself to God, I'm paraphrasing here, sin will have no dominion over you because you're no longer under the law, but you're under grace. It actually says there is no more law anymore. It's only grace when you're in Christ Jesus. Grace can be a nice thing to sing about, but it can be an incredible thing to experience. There may be pain, and we may be singing amazing grace in our pain, but when we experience that amazing grace, it's so much better. There's a purpose for the pain that you're in this morning, church. It's like wearing sunscreen on a sunny day, right? You go to the beach. And if you don't wear sunscreen, you get burned, and you feel it, right? You feel that pain, that, that, that hotness of the sun on your shoulders or your nose. They're everywhere if you're like me and really white. But when you put the sunscreen on, you still feel the hotness, the heat of the sun, but you don't experience the burn. When we're in life and we have grace and we have the Holy Spirit, we experience the, the burn of sin. You know, we feel the, the, the heat, 
but we don't experience the burn afterwards. We experience the pain, but we don't experience the suffering. Church, you may be experiencing pain this morning, but if you're in Christ Jesus, you're not experiencing the suffering because he's already experienced it for us. There's purpose in the pain you're in. In verse 2 and 3, we learn that, that Lazarus has some sisters, right? He's got a community around him. You know where I'm going now? If you're watching online, you're getting scared. But he's got a community of people who can come alongside him and say, hey, you're sick. You, you don't look too good. You ever been on the beach and you didn't wear sunscreen and, and someone says, your shoulders are getting a little red. Are you okay? You're like, no, no, no. It's just a hot day. I'm good. And then you go home and you get in the shower and you're like, it's still hot because you didn't wear the sunscreen. You need someone around you who can say, hey, you need sunscreen. You need grace. You need Jesus. You need help. But where do we find that community if we haven't built it up around us? If we haven't built the community around us, we have no, no one to, to fight on our behalf for our spiritual well-being like Lazarus did. You know, sometimes I think we build a false community around us, right? You know, we, we think we're in a group of friends and, and people and family who can really hold us accountable. But we, we, in the back of our mind, we know they're not going to. And that's why we do it, because no one likes to be held accountable. No one likes to feel that, that good pressure of accountability. But once you've been held accountable for something, it's funny how when you get to the end of that, you're so grateful for the people who came and said, hey, man, you're burned. You need help, brother. But what if we don't have that group? What if we don't have that community? What if we haven't been back to church yet? What if we haven't been in a grace group? What if we haven't met with brothers and sisters who are like-minded and believe in Christ and, and can speak into our lives? We don't have that accountability. We don't have someone to say, you're sick, you need help. There's no purpose for our pain if we don't have a way to grow through that pain. That's why we think it's so vital to be in a grace group here at Grace River. Because it's in grace groups that, and in the small groups that transformation happens. You can't do it on your own, church. You can't confess your sins to just yourself. You can confess them to the Lord, but then it's still just you and the Lord. You need someone who you can confess it to and feel that accountability. That's why you need to be in a grace group. That's why you need to get back to church. No one enjoys being held accountable in the moment. When you wear that sunscreen, when, when, you, when you have that grace, when you put yourself in the Lord, you feel grateful for it afterwards. Another thing I notice in, in verse chapter or in verse four is that from the very beginning, in Lazarus's pain, in Mary and Martha's pain, the Lord says there's purpose for this. Can we go back to, to verse four? I know, I'm sorry. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. When he heard it from the very beginning, from the very beginning of Lazarus' illness, the Lord said, this will not end in death, but no, it's for good. At the very beginning of the pain you're experiencing, church, the Lord said, this will not end in death. It may be painful, it may be struggling, but it won't end in a sufferable death because I've already done that for you. It will end in glorifying my Father. God used the pain that Mary and Martha were and Lazarus were experiencing to bring glory to God. You know, we read about those Jews who were kind of gathering around and they said, wow, he really does love him. And then they watched him come out of the, out of the tomb and they were just, just dumbfounded by this miracle that had happened. And it's because God used his death, he used his pain for good, to, to bring glory to his name and for the sake of others. The situation you're in now may not be how the story ends. The pain 
you're experiencing now may not be how the story ends. But if I was Lazarus and I'm laying in that tomb dead, kind of feels like it, right? Kind of feels like that's just how it ends. But he promises a plan for our life. Our story becomes a blessing for others when we allow God to use our pain for a special purpose. And, and, and even in the pain, Jesus finds us where we are. You know, Lazarus is in this tomb, but Jesus finds him. He even goes into a place, into a city, where Jesus really isn't that welcome. I mean, he said that Bethany was close to Judea, and even when he tells his disciples that he's planning on going here, his disciples are like, are you crazy? They just tried to stone you there not too long ago, buddy. What are you doing going back? And he said, we've got to go back. There's a purpose to all of this. Oftentimes, I think we experience pain from situations we've put ourselves in. We find ourselves in these places where, where Jesus isn't really welcome because we haven't welcomed him there. And that's why we find ourselves in these situations. But even then, the Lord goes to places where he's not welcomed and he finds us and he says, come out of the grave you're in. We allow the enemy to drag us down to a place where Jesus isn't allowed, but Jesus comes and he says, I don't care where I'm allowed and where I'm not. I'm going to take you to where you need to be. Psalm 139 says, and this isn't on the screen, I apologize. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. But if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there also. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me. Even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. But the night shines in the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. We have no reason to fear the pain, church. Because even when we make our bed in hell, he's there. Even when we go out to the uttermost parts of the sea, he's there. So in the pain that you're experiencing, there's a purpose. It's so you can grow. It's so he can bring glory to others for him, his sake, for their sake. There's a purpose for the pain you're in, and there's no reason to worry about the situation you're in. God uses what was intended for evil for goodness, to show us our weaknesses, to convict us of our sin. He sends others to come alongside us for the purposes of growth. He uses our story as a light for others. But even when we have faith that God is working in that pain, there's still doubt, right? We still have doubt in our lives. I know you're sitting there like, no, I don't have any doubt. But I know you're lying. See, in the evidence, in this passage, there's evidence of faith and doubt in this story. You can have a little bit of both. You can have faith, but at some point, maybe your faith ends and, and doubt begins, right? There's plenty of examples here. First, there's Thomas, right? He had enough faith in Jesus to say, hey, let's go. But then he's like, we're going to die with him, right? He said, let's go. Let's go with Jesus. Let's, let's go to this place and let's die with him. He had enough faith to know that Jesus could go, that Jesus was going to go, but he didn't really think that trip was going to be very fruitful. Martha may not have had enough faith to believe that Lazarus could be resurrected then and there after he'd already died, but she says, I, I know that you are God, that you can do what you ask. Mary believed that Jesus could have saved Lazarus, but it was too late now. She had enough faith, but, but now it's doubt. The Jews based Jesus' ability to save on the fact that they had seen him heal this blind man. They said, oh man, he, he could have saved him, right? But where was he? You know, they, they believe enough, but then there's, there's a lack of faith. When Jesus asked for the tomb to be rolled away, Martha and Mary, even after they had gotten there and Jesus said he's not going to die, and he said, I am the life, I am the resurrection, 
They're like, wait, it's going to stink a little bit. He said, do you not understand what I'm saying? They, they, they doubted. In the end, Lazarus was still resurrected, even in their doubt. Even though they had tremendous faith to believe that, that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was able to heal, they said, I still have a little doubt. I think so many times in our life, we, we, we believe in God enough, but we just still have doubt to experience that real transformation, that real healing. We think it's, it's impossible for us, or we're too far gone. Right, the situation we're in is too deep. We're in a, a pit that's too low for God to reach. We sing a song that says, no matter how high, no matter how low, Jesus turns that grave into a garden. You can be resurrected in the spirit even though you have some doubts because here's the next point. A little doubt overcomes a lot. A little faith overcomes a lot of doubt. Sorry. A little faith overcomes a lot of doubt. It's okay to have doubt. You know, you don't need to know how God is going to do something to believe that he's going to do it. I think that's what Martha and Mary kind of struggled with here is, is they knew he could, but it just didn't make sense in their brain of how he was going to. And I think we limit ourselves to that sometimes. You know, I'm not a doctor, but I believe that if I go to the hospital and something's wrong with me, they're going to fix me. Even though I have no idea how they're going to do it, I believe they can. But for some reason, we know that God can we don't understand how, so we believe he won't. You don't need to know how God is going to rescue you to have faith that he will. You don't need to know how to know that he will. In Hebrews 11, it says that faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance about what we don't see. Confidence that God can do what we ask, knowing that we don't get to see the details. Martha had this sort of faith, even in her doubt. She's, you know, Jesus doesn't ask us, to understand, he asks us to have faith. He didn't ask Martha, okay, do you understand how I'm going to make him come out of the grave? He said, do you know who I am? Do you know that I'm the resurrection? Do you know that I'm the life? Do you know that I have the power to call Lazarus out of the grave? So many times we lose, we lose faith because what we desire doesn't make sense in the natural. But here's the thing, God doesn't operate in the natural. He operates in the supernatural. That's why we don't get to understand. You know, Amanda and I recently... Uh, lost her grandfather to COVID. It was a difficult period in, in our life, a difficult season. He was in the hospital for surgery for a heart attack that he almost had. They caught it early, and they were doing some heart surgery. And he recovered well, and he was in the hospital, and surgery went well. But then right before he was about to get discharged, he caught COVID from a nurse who had come in contact with another COVID-positive patient. And so we struggled with how could this have happened to, to such a loving man, such a humble man, you know, a, a guy that would do anything for anybody. And he got a little bit better, and then he got a little bit worse, and then he got a little bit better, and we just kept thinking, yes, God's going to heal him, and then he got a little bit worse. And eventually he, he succumbed to his, his illness. And for so long I said, God, how could you take this man? You know, God, I know that you can save, but you didn't. I felt like Martha and Mary. I said, God, if you had been here soon enough, you could have saved him, but you didn't. You know, I had faith that God could, but I didn't understand why he didn't. And I think that's okay to not understand why he didn't. Because just like Martha and Mary, it's, it's not easy to understand and, and comprehend and be okay with it. But when we have faith in the things that we know God can do, we have the assurance 
of the things we cannot see. We have confidence that we know God can heal. We know that God is able. We know that God is the Son of Man. We know who He is. So we have that assurance that even though He didn't heal Him, that even though He did die, that was the end of the story. But we don't, we don't get to see the details, but we have assurance knowing that He is God, that He has a purpose, that He has a reason for what He's done. So even in the pain you're in, church, the pain of losing a loved one, the pain of losing a job, the pain of, of having a family that's split up in some sort of way. That may be how it ends, church, but there's still hope because we have assurance in the things we don't see. We have, we have faith in Christ. A little faith overcomes a lot of doubt because in the end, Jesus wants you to live. In verse 35, everybody knows it's the, the shortest verse in the Bible. It says, Jesus wept. And it says he wept again in 38. Going back to the story of my grand, Amanda's grandfather, I never wept like I did as a man when I heard that, that he wasn't going to make it. And I remember we were at my parents' house. We heard the news. We had gone to visit family. And, and I just I wept loudly. <laughs> I never cried so loud, so hard in my life. And, and as I was studying this passage, I realized, that's how Jesus feels about us. Not only when we're dying, but when we're in sin, when we're in the pain, when we're in the struggle. He's crying for us. He says, I want you to live. And I don't know how to describe that any better than if you've experienced that sort of weeping, you know what it feels like. That's how the Lord feels about you. He desperately wants you to live, church. He desperately wants you to come out of that struggle. He desperately wants you to come out of that pain. There's purpose for where you're at. We've got faith that God can use it, but we really, he really wants us to come out of it. You know, Jesus wanted that stone rolled away from Lazarus' tomb. And I think he wants that stone rolled away from our tomb as well. He wants that sin that's blocking us from coming into life to be rolled away so that he can resurrect you. In verse 25, if we could pull that up there real quick. Verse 25, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Church, he calls to you this morning and says, you, you're not just going to be resurrected on the day of the resurrection. I am the resurrection. He says, I've come today to resurrect you. He came to Lazarus and said, I've come today to resurrect you. I am the life. You know, it just, it's not just that he is alive. It's not just that he was God and then he was man and he was alive. No, he is the life. He is life in our bones and in our, in our bodies this morning. He is the life and he wants you to live. I praise him that you could come. He wants you to live, but, but here's the final thing. Go ahead and put that up there. Only Jesus has the power to set you free. Only Jesus has the power to say, you can live. You know, so many times, I think we, we kind of trick ourselves into thinking, this is going to make me feel better, you know. We've lost a loved one, and so we think that this is what's going to make us get through this. Or we've lost a job, and so we fill that space with something else, and we say, this is what's going to make us feel a little better. Or, or we, we numb our pain with an addiction of some sort, and we say, this is going to, this is going to, this is going to work. I'm going to feel okay after this. But there's only one thing that can really pull you out of that grave. 
There's only one power who can set you free. You know, Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave and out of death into freedom. And I was talking to God this morning. And I said, you know, God, this message seems pretty simple. Short even. There's hope, right? We're in pain. We need to have faith, even in our doubts. God wants us to live. He's got power. I said, Lord, it's a little too simple. What, what do I call people to do to have hope? And he said, you know, Nick, if it was any more difficult, you wouldn't be able to get it. He said, if there was any more steps than just receiving that grace, receiving the hope that is Jesus, we wouldn't be able to get it. That's all we need, church, is just to receive it. You know, God said to me this morning as I was praying, and he said, consider how difficult it was for Lazarus to come out of that grave. I said, okay, God, you're getting somewhere. It's difficult, right? It's something we've got to do. He said, no. Lazarus's heart had to start beating again. You know, the blood had to start coursing through his veins again. The, the oxygen had to fill up in his lungs again. He had to warm his body again. That's not anything we can do, church. You know, when you were born, God didn't ask you to breathe. You just, bro- you just breathed. <laughs> God didn't ask your heart to beat. It just, it just did because of him. So church this morning, even in your pain, even in your suffering, even in your sin, he's not asking you to do anything more than just answer. This is what the Lord said. This blew my mind this morning. I didn't have to ask Lazarus to come out of the grave. I commanded him to come out of the grave. He said, I didn't say, Lazarus, if it's okay with you, come on out. No, when I look in the word here, it says, take off your grave clothes and let him go. He said, Lazarus, you're coming out, buddy. He says, church, you're coming out this morning. I'm not asking you if you want to to stay in your sin. I'm not asking you if you want to stay in your grave. I'm not asking you if you're okay with it. I'm saying, church, you're coming out with me this morning. Stand up with me, church. He says, get up and be free. He says, take off the grave clothes. Let the stone roll away. Church, I don't know what the grave clothes are that have you wrapped up this morning. I don't know what the stone is that's blocking you from coming out of the tomb. But the Lord says, move it. He says, let it be gone. Take off the graves and be free. Father, we thank you this morning because you say we can be free. There's nothing that we can do. There's nothing we have to do. You say, go. You say, come out of that grave. You command us to be free this morning. You command sin to flee. You command death to be no more. You say, I bring life to death. It's the intersection of life and death this morning, Father, and we praise you for that. Lord, we thank you that we have a hope in you this morning. Father, there's nothing that we can do, but you say come out of that grave. So, Father, I declare this morning that we're coming out of our graves. Father, sin has no hold of us any longer. The, the, the chains that bind us are no longer in play this morning, Father, because you have rolled away that stone. You have commanded us to come out. So, Father, we are coming out in front of you this morning. Thank you. Church, we're going to sing this song one more time. And as we were singing it earlier, I kind of felt like I didn't need to come back up because it says it all. So let's, let's sing it this morning. You turn graves into gardens. I searched the world.
church, I, I listen to a pastor and he kind of has this slogan. He says, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the thing that's, that's holding you back. Jesus is better than the temporary band-aid you've put on your struggle. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. There's nothing better. Church, if, if you need to pray this morning, I would just encourage you to come to the altar this morning kneel and we'll have someone come and pray with you. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus this morning, I want you to, to make that known to us this morning so we can celebrate how Jesus is better in your life. We're going to sing this bridge here. You turn mourning to dancing. Really sing it, church. You turn mourning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame
Let's pray, church. Father, we know that you are the only one who can call us out of that grave. So, Father, this morning we come running to you. Father, we say that our sin has no more, uh, no more hold on us. Father, death has no hold on us. Father, the pain, it may be real, but the suffering is gone because of you, Father. Father, we praise you this morning. We thank you for all that you've done for us, all that you're doing in our lives. Father, we ask you to continue to pour out your blessing on us, continue to pour out your grace on us, because there is hope, because that's all we need. We praise you, Father. We thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Church, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for allowing This podcast is a member of the Grace River Podcast Network. To listen to more of the podcasts in our network, head over to graceriverva.com slash media. We would love for you to join us in person or online on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our weekend worship experience. Our campus is located at 5045 Indian River Road in Virginia Beach, Virginia, or you can find us online at graceriverva.com. Grace River exists so that every generation can experience the transforming power of God in every area of their lives.